want to talk to you this morning. You can go ahead and turn in Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. And while you're, while you're turning there, let me just say that every one of us, we're talking this morning about making, making right decisions, making good decisions. Every one of us knows what it's, what it's like to make decisions, right? You made decisions this morning. One of the decisions you made was to come to church. You made the decision of what kind of clothes that you wanted to wear, what color of clothes that, uh, that you wanted to wear this morning, what style of clothes that you wanted to wear. You made decisions all throughout this week, uh, depending upon your home or your job or whatever the case may be. There were decisions that had to be made. There were decisions made this week of, of pastors that has stepped aside, that is that has stepped down from their pulpit. Some of you have read the article that I reposted from a guy. I wasn't really crazy about the title that this guy put on, put on here concerning this pastor over in Nashville, but uh, he has stepped down because, in his own words, that he was, he, was, uh, he was exhausted, he was tired, and he was broken. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to you, but I want to tell you something. It has, it has huge ramifications within the body of Christ. Huge. Because that's just that's about the second or third pastor over the last th- two weeks that I know about that has that has stepped down, and I told you Wednesday night those of you that's here Wednesday night that we're living in a day to where sometimes it's hard for us to cope with the stress, it's hard for us to cope with the anxiety and the and the things that we have to go through day by day. And I'm just talking I'm not I'm not just talking about pastors. I'm talking about all of us today, with all the decisions, all the things that has to be made, and all the things that has to be done. And so for you and I, as God's people, it behooves us that we must make the right decisions up front, right? Because if we don't, we're going to live with those consequences. We're going to live with those actions. We're going to live with those things that, that may carry a, a, lifelong, uh, uh, a lifelong consequence, if you will, throughout our life. I want to talk to you about a familiar story this morning. Look with me in in Genesis chapter 25 and look down at verse number 21. Genesis chapter 25 and verse number 21. Don't you listen to the words here. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. She's having twins. And she said, if all is well, then why am I like this? Well, I've got to stop right here and, and, and just ask you that question. Have you ever said that before? Isn't that amazing? If all is well, then why do I feel like I feel? If all is supposed to be okay and fine, then why am I going through what I'm going through? If I'm a child of God, if I pay my tithes, if I come to church every Sunday, then why am I at death's door? Those are questions that's hard. The questions that sometimes the pastor and maybe you even get asked and you don't have answers to. Pastor, if I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do, then why is my child sick? Why? Has my friends left me? Why has my husband cheated on me or my wife left me? If all is well, then why am I like this? Don't you notice what Rebecca done? And so she went to inquire 
of the Lord. Let's pray. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days was fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there was twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, man of the field, but Jacob but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in the tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me what, with, that, uh, with the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, If you want me to do this, then sell me your birthright. It was very significant right there. Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. And so he swore to him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils, and then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Listen to this last verse. And Esau despised his birthright. If you will, turn over with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I think I gave you verse 17, but Bruce, I want to start off with verse 12, if that's okay. Let's move back up to verse 12, and then we'll go to 17. The Bible says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears." He sought it diligently with tears. Now, there's a, there's a whole lot of preaching in those verses right there that I don't have time to mess with this morning. I want to talk to you about decisions. Many of you know that there's little doubt that life contains many choices. There's even little doubt that life contains many difficulties that we have to walk through. Choices that we make with difficulties can either make or break many times the quality of our life. It'll speak to who we are. The problem with most people, including Christians, is not really the problem themselves, but the choices that we make when we face the problem. Because we fail to do a few key things when we're in the midst of the battle. When we're in the heat of the battle, we, we tend to, to go this way because it seems right unto us. Are you following me this morning? But if we would follow the Lord, we would follow His principles, and if we would follow what the Lord has laid out for us in Scripture, 
that it'll help us in the decisions that we make. We need to decide, and I hope that many of you have, we, we've got to decide early on that if we're going to live for Christ, that, that we will really, truly sold, be sold out for Him, or we'll find ourselves selling out due to the lack of commitment with the problem that we may be going through. It's a story I read the other day by, by a guy by the name of Lord Joseph Devine, who, who was a, an American head of this art firm uh, in 1915. And in this story, he was going to send one of his experts of this art uh, building, this art show that he was all about, going to send one of his experts to England to examine some of this ancient pottery. He booked this passage on, the, on a boat called the Lusitania. And then the German embassy issued a warning that, that this, this ship was going to be torpedoed. If you, if you, if you set sail, then I'm going to torpedo your ship. And Devine wanted to call off the trip from this, from this expert. And he told his experts, I can't, I can't risk you being killed. And, he, and, the, and, the, and the expert, this young friend, said, don't worry about it. I'm a strong swimmer, he said. And when I read what was happening in the Atlantic, I began hardening myself by spending time every day in the tub of ice water. At first, I could only sit just a few minutes. But this morning, he said, I stayed in the tub of ice water for nearly two hours. Sure enough, they set sail. It sounded crazy to Devine to, to let him go. It sounded crazy, but, but this expert sailed, and, and also, this also was true that the, the ship was torpedoed. This young man, though, was rescued after nearly five hours in the chilly ocean, still in excellent condition because of the decision that he had made by conditioning himself. And when you think about that story, just as this young man did as far as conditioning his body, you and I, we need to condition ourselves by practicing the devotional disciplines in our life, by practicing behavioral discipline in our life, and, and discipline that is good for who we are and our family as well. We've got to learn to practice those things as well if we're going to survive in this last day. The Bible tells us that, that if we're short-sighted in our choices, if we sort of fall short we, 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 to, make, to, make, to make us okay or to satisfy that momentary need that we may have, it can have a lifelong spiritual consequence that may not even, that might not even forgiveness can alter later on. You say, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? I thought we believed in forgiveness. We do. But let me explain it just a little bit. We come across this story here in Genesis about, these, about Isaac and Rebekah. They were having some difficult circumstances in chapter 25. And they begin to pray. She began to pray. And he began to pray for his wife. And, and like his own father, when you, when you remember his own father and mother, Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, were childless. And she was barren. And like his father, Abraham, Isaac truly loved his wife. And, and so he begins to pray on behalf of his wife. There's nothing better that you and I can do when we're faced with a difficulty or when we're faced with a situation is really take it to the Lord in prayer. It's not that we need to go to Facebook. It's not that we need to get on the telephone. We need to take it to the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer because it's only the Lord that's going to give us the answer that we need. Amen. And so we begin to take it to the Lord. There's nothing better that we can do than do that. 
The only right way for Isaac and Rebekah was God's way. See, they had a rich heritage. Isaac was one of these guys. He understood this thing because he was laid on an altar of sacrifice himself before. He understood his father. He understood all the things that his father went to. And so they understood that it was God's way or no way. They knew where to turn when, the, when they faced the challenge. And it's so important for you and I today, church, that when we face difficult circumstances, that we, gotta, that, that we have to be put in a proper perspective, a proper focus. It will affect the choices that we make if we are not in that proper focus. Our mind has got to be right. Everything has got to be right. Why do you think that pastor after pastor and church member after church member is stepping down? It's somewhere along the line, and I'm not saying that happened to all these pastors that I read about, but somewhere along the line, we get off track, and because of all the stuff that we feel like that we've got to do, and all the stuff that we feel like we've got to accomplish, we, we miss out on one important part, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that we're going to die and go to hell. And I'm not trying to preach on stress this morning. But listen to me, if you're not careful, you can allow the pressures of life to weigh you down so heavy. I'm not a guy that has a problem with fear, Brother Reigns. I never have been. But I find myself lately, I can just be sitting around or driving and I'm daydreaming or whatever. And all of a sudden, something will happen in my mind of, a, of this tragic accident with one of my family members. You may have never done that before. Maybe I'm the only crazy one. And all of a sudden, for a brief moment, fear grips my heart. Never had that problem before. But fear will grip my heart, and I have to stop and say, Lord, if this is you, then don't let that happen. You protect them. You, put, you, 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 you minister to them. Choices that we make. But if we're not careful, we'll allow the, the pressures of life to weigh us down so much that fear will grip us and drive us and move us and motivate us in everything that we do. Stress, anxiety, all of these things. We've got to understand if our focus is wrong, there is, there is a good chance that our choices will be wrong as well. We've got to rely on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It seems to me that more people today have a, have a greater desire to live long than they do to live well. We want to live long, but we don't want to live well so much. And the two doesn't work together. And as this young man Isaac, he learned from his father Abraham, I've got to keep my focus on God and not on the problem. I've got to keep my focus on God. You remember, he's the one that said, hey, Dad, we got the, we got the wood, we got the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Now his daddy... All that time was worried about what is fixing to take place. God is requiring something great of me. But dad, we got the wood, we got the fire, but where is the sacrifice? And they begin to pray and God's reward for Isaac and Rebekah was, was that she got pregnant, not only with one child, but with two children. Considered by, by ancient Hebrews as a, as a great blessing. But listen to this. In verse 22, it tells that the children begin to struggle together or jostle together. Problems begin to occur. Can I tell you that even answered prayer sometimes does not remove the possibility of new situations. It doesn't remove the possibility of new problems that you may have. In fact, sometimes they create a whole new set of problems. I'm encouraging you, right? <laughs> when Lazarus, Lazarus was raised from the dead... You can remember the story. This was a great miracle. The Lord Jesus, Lazarus, come forth. He come walking out of that tomb. 
He had his grave clothes on, Sister Mavis. He, they wanted him to be loose and all of that. And he was loose and he was alive. But when, he was, when, when that great miracle took place, immediately the Jewish authorities sought to kill him. The man was already dead once. And now he was alive. And now they want to kill him again. Talking about, a, talking about new problems that come on. Rebecca took note that these two boys in her womb were just jostling with one another. And she went before the Lord because she recognized there was a potential problem in her midst. And she may have been confused by the fact that God blesses her with twins, but only to discover that instead of ending all of her problems, that new problems started to be forming. How many times, how many times have you and I reacted this way to God? As soon as the prayer request gets answered... And we think they'll be smooth sailing. We think everything will be fine. That another problem reveals itself related to the answer of the blessing. See, life is a, is a string of difficulties that we face. How we tackle one of those determines who we are in Christ. Who we are in our quality of life. An answered prayer, no matter how great, does not negate those future problems. As I said earlier, even great blessings can become great challenges. And at such times, we've got to choose in every one of those situations, what are we going to do? Which way are we going to go? Can I tell you this? The Lord is voting for you. He's voting for you in a positive sense. Now, the devil, on the other hand, he's voting for you in a negative sense. And when you're faced with those situations, then it's you, it's you. And the man himself, you've got to vote. You're the vote that breaks the tie. Where am I going to go? Am I going to go with the Lord here or the enemy here? Am I going to go what seems right unto me? Or am I going to go that I don't understand how he, what, he, what he wants me to do, but I'm going to follow what he said? What are we going to do? Rebecca understood they had some, had some difficult choices, some destructive choices that was taking place. There were some pitfalls in her life. When you look in this scripture, it's very, it's very obvious when you read. They said Esau come out and he was red all over. He was redhead. Had red hair everywhere. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to preach about redheads this morning. But everybody knows sometimes redheads can be a little fiery. They, you know, they, they, they get a little fiery. They got a little fire built up. And that's nothing wrong with that. We need that sometimes. But, but it was very obvious when you look at this scripture that, that Esau and Jacob was both very different between one another. Esau, the Bible says, was this sort of outdoorsman kind of guy. While Jacob was sort of a mama's boy. A domestic kid. Unfortunately, the father Isaac made it clear up front that Esau is my favorite. Not only did he make it clear, but his mama, Rebecca, clearly said that Jacob is my favorite. So they're pitting the two between. I mean, they came out struggling, and they came out jostling. You know, Jacob grabbed a hold of the heel of Esau, and even when they got out, their mama and daddy still, there was no unity there. Instead of the parents working together to help both of these boys appreciate who they were, each other, they actually helped keep the tension alive between them you know the story Isaac got older his stomach began to rule his desires and so much so that at the end of his life his last desire now listen to me church don't miss this that he got to the end of his life that his last desire was not so much spiritual in nature as they were physical to him what's going to be important to you and I what's important to us today he wanted a bowl of his favorite soup he wanted a bowl of his favorite meat from his favorite son, this pitfall in his life is seen in his favorite son Esau as well. It's sort of carry on the generational thing, right? Esau learned well from his dad. His stomach 
will rule his life. I will tell you something. You parents already know this, but how important it is for us that we show people and our young people how and what to value. What's going to be important? What's going to be important? You may have heard this old story. I've, 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 I've quoted this story before, but it just seems to fit right here. This guy by the name of Max Jukes who lived in New York. He didn't believe in Christ. He didn't believe in Christian training. He refused to take his children to church even when they was asked to go. But can I tell you, this guy right here, Max Jews, he, he had 1,026 descendants, they said. 300 were sent to prison for an average term of 13 years. 190 were public prostitutes. 680 were admitted alcoholics. His family thus far had cost the state in excess of $420,000 and they made no con contribution at all to society. But there's another guy that we know about in history by the name of Jonathan Edwards. He lived in the same state at the same time that Jukes was around. He loved the Lord and he saw that his children were in church every Sunday. As he served the Lord to the best of his ability, he had, he had 929 descendants. Out of these, 430 were ministers. 86 became university professors. 13 became university presidents. 75 authored good books. 7 were elected to the United States Congress. Once the vice president of his nation. His family never cost the state one cent, but he has contributed immeasurably in the life of plenty in his land today you see the comparison of the two families how important it is Rebecca here struggling Rebecca had to had learned to get what she wanted through deception and Jacob learned this skill very well Rebecca was willing even to deceive her own husband well that's a no-no don't deceive one another husbands and wives though she desired the right thing she often went about it the wrong way. Amen. Something Jacob learned from her. Can I tell you it's not enough to desire the right things in life if we seek to gain it the wrong way. I'm talking about priorities here. Look down at verse 29 and 34. You'll see there's some priority problems here. When you look at the next part of the story, it reveals uh, the, the learned priorities of Jacob and Esau. Esau comes back to the, uh, to the tent one day from a hunt and he's hungry and all he wants is immediate satisfaction. I've got I've to get fed. I'm just about to die. Have you ever said that before? Some of you may be sitting there today saying, I wish the pastor would hurry up. I'm about to die. I'm hungry. I've got to get down to the Grecian. I've got to get down to the Mexican restaurant. I'm about to die. Esau said the same thing. Jacob here, even though he was a mama boy, he, he was a smart little, little fellow, little conniver sees this opportunity to secure a spiritual blessing, but he goes about it the wrong way. Now, Esau can see in his immediate need of satisfaction, he said, nothing else matters. Understand the birthright of those days was something very significant to the oldest son. The one that came out first was Esau. He was rightfully supposed to be given the birthright, the blessing, everything that his family, all the wealth, everything by the reins of his family. But it didn't matter to him. It didn't, none of that mattered at that moment because he was hungry. That physical need had to be met. All he, he, all he could see was that. And that's a sure formula for failure. Listen to me. When passions begin to rule your life, and I'm not saying that passions is not bad. You need to be passionate about something. But when these passions begin to rule your life as to the priorities of your life, you become a prisoner to those passions that's driving you. Where's your priorities? Where's the, where's, what's going to be first? God has got to be first. And Esau only saw what he didn't have that he immediately wanted. No sense of value on what he was willing to give up simply to satisfy that immediate need. 
You can look at the scriptures. You can read in Jacob. He sort of felt slighted too, and he sees his brother's weakness, and he figures out a way to get what he wants. Figures out a way. Isn't it amazing that how many how many ever like to play card games? Just sitting around playing with your family or friends or whatever. Isn't it amazing that even even in those in those uh, good times like that when we're playing fun playing that if you're playing cards, the cards that that are always dealt wrong, they're always dealt wrong to you if you're losing. Isn't that amazing? You may not say it, but said, you know, we got to get a new dealer because you ain't dealing right. I'm losing. But if you've got a good hand, then they've got to be shuffled right. They've got to be shuffled right. All sense of priorities was gone in order to satisfy this immediate need in his life. That's how we live today when you think about it in our, in our Western civilization, in our culture. Our educational system even stresses the learning of information over the wisdom to know what are you going to do with that learning. It's important to learn. I'm not saying it's not important to learn. But sometimes it's not the IQ so much as it is the I will is the important thing in education. Esau's priorities were misplaced, and, and though Jacob's was correct, he goes about getting the right thing in the wrong way. And when they've done this, both of them will pay the price tag for the sin in their life. Isn't it tragic that Esau could be so short-sighted as to give away his birthright of the first firstborn son just to get something at that moment that he wanted? Now, many of you know what I'm talking about. There's been things in your life, tangible things I'm talking about, Material things, and you said, oh, I, I want that. I've got to have that, right? I've got to have that. And, you, and you, make a, you make a way somehow to get what you want. How many of us has even, has even lived this way before our children at times? We, we see it in our kids at times. Sometimes, do we, do we even postpone gratification to do things right? I hope we do at times so our kids can see. Sometimes maybe yes, sometimes no. But we can hardly teach our kids the importance of church if we've got to skip to go to the model car show or fishing on the lake or something. How, how can we tell our children that God is more important than material things if you and I don't even tie? Hello? How can we teach those things? Remember, Esau and Jacob both reflected the value of their parents who favored them. What are we teaching our kids today? There was a price tag. You look over to Hebrews chapter 12 that we read in verse 16 and 17. That, that reality of the poor choices had both good and bad news. The good news is this, and this is for all of us today. The good news is this, is that there can be forgiveness for those mistakes that we made. Thank God. There can be forgiveness of those things that, that we find ourselves messed up in. Thank God for His forgiveness. But the bad news is, is that the consequences may continue throughout our lifetime based upon what we decide. The Hebrew writer here instructs us to avoid being godless. Avoid being godless like Esau for a moment of pleasure who sold his birthright. And then later on when he decided it was important, he wanted it back, but he found out that he could not even get it back, even with tears, and he began to cry out. He couldn't get it back. You know what I'm talking about. You know, when, you're, when your kids or your grandkids come up to you and they, and they cry, I mean, you're going to be more apt to do things for them, right? Because of that sad-looking face. Especially when it comes to grandkids. But Esau found out that he couldn't even get it back without, even with tears. If we today as a church can realize this about sin and godless choices that we make, yeah, God can forgive us. But we've got to learn that sometimes we have to live with those results for years and maybe even a lifetime. There was, a, uh, there was a dad who was hurrying his 11-year-old daughter to school one day, and as they were in the car, 
he turned right on red and where he wasn't supposed to. It, it, it wasn't supposed to turn right there, and he wasn't supposed to. And he just said, uh-oh, I just made an illegal turn, he said, talking to his daughter. And she said, it's all right, because the police car behind us, they, he done the same thing. Choices. Choices that we make. When you look at this story of Esau and Jacob, they paid dearly for their choices. And, and we could go on and on with this story. But in spite of this, they both did find forgiveness. And they also found the blessing as well. And how different, though, the, the, the quality of their lives may have been had they had done, God, done things God's way. And so often we, we want to find somebody or something else to blame the pain on. But the truth is, is that we are often the ones responsible for the quality of our lives if we're not careful. As a rule, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. You'll find that those who complain about the way the ball bounces are usually the ones that bounces the ball. When you think about it, want the musicians, if they will, to come. So if that's the case, then why don't we spend the rest of our life making those right decisions, those good decisions, instead of those bad decisions? Isn't it better to sell out for God instead of selling out to all this thing, the world, selling out to the bad decisions of our life? See, because here's the truth. Life, as we know it, is full of choices. Life is full of choices. And choosing is driven in our life by needs that we have. It's driven by the needs that we have. What we define as most important needs will, will define what we consider our most important choices as well. For this reason, we've got to decide what we are sold out to. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to think about this just for a second. What are you sold out to today? In your relationship with Christ, what are you sold out to Him? Are you sold out to the Father? Our choices will reflect our passions. Choices can bring great joys in our life, but they can also bring great sorrow. Some things cannot later be undone. We've got to choose wisely. There are some of you, if you listen to me this morning, in the balcony or on this main floor, there are some of you sitting here right now you're making choices right now. Should I go or should I stay? Should I come down to the altar or should I not come down to the altar? Should I give my heart to God 100% or should I just sort of say 50-50? Jesus said one time in the scriptures, I wish you'd either hot or cold. Because you're neither, I'll spew you out of my mouth. There's a choice you've got to make. You'll make the choice in here today. Many of you are serving Christ already. But how many of you in this balcony, on this main floor, how many of you are sort of playing the game today? How many of you are jostling with one another? Jostling with life? How many of you are struggling with life itself? Trying to figure out and what to do and the best way to go. How many of you are still are doing the same thing maybe that mom and dad done? You know it's wrong, but this is the way I've been taught. And at some point in time, you've got to break that cycle. To create something good, create something pleasurable for your family. How many of you are sitting here today and saying, Pastor, I need Jesus in my heart. As they begin to play softly today, I want that, to, I want that thought just to really to sink into you today. This is an old, old story here. Many of you read this story a thousand times. But it has huge impact upon who we are 
as God's people. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What decisions are we going to make for Christ today? You've heard me say this, I don't know how many times, but I believe with all of my heart the Lord is coming. I believe He's coming. I believe He's coming soon. Are we so content just to sit idly by and do nothing instead of selling out to Christ? And we'll miss the opportunities that affords us through Jesus Christ. Are we, what, what's so important that we've got going on in our life? What's so important that causes us not to take Jesus as our Savior? What is it? What's so important in our life that we've got going on that we can't see the need of accepting Him as Lord and accepting Him as Savior? I'm going to pray. When I pray, when I finish praying, rather, I'm going to ask you to stand. And when you stand today, if all who, whoever in this house that feels like you need to be down at this altar, I want you to get out of your pew and I want you to come from the balcony, from this main floor, whoever you may be. And we want to pray with you. I don't want to embarrass you by no means, really. I don't want to embarrass you at all. But are we making the right decisions today? Are we making the right choices today? Father, I thank you for this, for this morning. I thank you for what we've already sensed in this house today. I thank you, God, for every man and woman and boy and girl that may be here today all over this building. But, Lord, I know that there's some that's hitting, sitting here right now that's making decisions right now. Oh, they may be thinking, I'm not going to make any decisions. In essence, they've made the decisions. God, you're bringing us to the front here. You're causing us to examine who we are, to examine our life with you, to examine, oh God, our walk with you. And I ask you right now, be it church member or be it not, be it Sunday school teacher or, or laity, be it council member or just someone that loves to come to church, Father, if there's anything in our life that doesn't belong, Help us to get rid of it today. Help us to surrender it today, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, I'm asking you, and Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to let people be free today. Let them be loosed today. In the name of Jesus.